as you heard tonight, is grace through faith. What does that mean to you? God's grace. And as I think of that word, some of you know the acronym, don't you? God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. We're going to read from Ephesians chapter 2 and the first 10 verses. And if you're looking in the Pew Bibles, I think uh, it's 1173 in the Pew Bibles. Thank you. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sometimes, I know when Tom speaks, he poses a question that we might answer between ourselves. I want to just do that, give you just, just two minutes to perhaps turn to someone near to you and say, what is faith? So just have a little discussion amongst yourselves. What is faith?
Well, I was thinking about this subject, what is faith? And uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about driverless vehicles these days, and I know that in San Francisco, that's where they're doing the major trials, but also we've got a trial going on here in Milton Keynes. And uh, as I was thinking about that, you imagine you're sitting in a vehicle, and they're talking about initially, you'll have a brake and a steering wheel, but you just don't touch those. What would you be tempted to do as you're going along the road? Just imagine if you didn't have a steering wheel or a brake. How scary would that be? And uh, to put your trust, and we know that there is this great discussion about AI and the problems that probably could ensue as a result of that. So, we're going to look a little bit about what faith is, what God's grace is, and uh, I know that when we speak about God's word, it's not just something we want to fill our heads necessarily with and expand our knowledge just for knowledge's sake, because the Bible tells us that we shouldn't allow ourselves to be puffed up with knowledge, but we should seek to be able to see how we can apply it in our own life situation. Now, I'm not just perhaps talking necessarily to those who have come to faith in Christ and have believed in him, but there may be some who haven't. And perhaps God has got a, a different word to say to us as different individuals here this evening. But I am concerned about those of us who say we love Jesus, and that we have faith and that we are seeking to do what he wants us to do. And so when the Apostle Paul was writing this letter to the Ephesian church, the reason he was writing this was that he wanted to strengthen in particular the Christians in that day and age. And he wanted to explain the nature and the purpose of the body of Christ. So for us who are Christians here tonight, how strong really is your faith? And maybe God is going to challenge us and cause us to look inside. We say we have faith. We say we trust in the Lord and what he would do. And so as we look at this, let's trust that God will speak into our heart situation and strengthen us. So how does God strengthen us? As I was thinking about that, I was thinking about how we strengthen something in the physical. I was thinking of steel. And interestingly enough, if you're going to strengthen steel, it has to go through a very, very hot temperature, somewhere between 800 to 900 degrees centigrade. And then after that, it's plunged very rapidly into either oil or into water. And then again, it is put through some more heat. And that builds the strength in the steel. And as I look in God's word, I see that God does that with his children, those who love him. He causes circumstances in our lives to come upon us. And sometimes we say, Lord, why has this happened to me? Why, why, why has this occurred? It doesn't make sense. I'm trying to do your will. I'm trying to follow in your ways. And 
And yet, as I go through the Word of God, I see that there were many who actually, well, I think all that I see of God's children in God's Word, who actually went through some sort of a, a trial, a testing, some sort of a, an experience which, which, through that, strengthened them in their faith. So, I don't know what your experience is at the moment. For some of you, it might be to do with health. For others, it may be to do with wealth. It may be for others that it's to do with relationships. There are all sorts of ways in which we can become tested. It could be to do with employment. It could be to do with education. And you feel that life is difficult and you don't understand why. And yet I read in Isaiah chapter 43, it talks about the God who formed us. He says, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God. We can think of Joseph, who was accused and put into prison. We can think of Daniel, who was thrown into the lion's den. There are many, many illustrations in Scripture where God tested his children. And maybe you're saying to yourself, why am I going through this experience at this point in time? What's it all about? But God is in the process of refining us, making us more into the persons that he would have us to be. There's a, a situation in Matthew 17 where a man approached Jesus and he said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He said, I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. And Jesus, he then replies, and he says this, bring the boy to me. And he rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. And the disciples, they wondered, they said, why couldn't we do this? And he says, because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So God is in the process of refining us, of making us more into persons that he wants us to be. As I go through scripture, I see so many illustrations. And the Apostle Paul was trying to help the church understand at that time that, yes, this is part of life. This is part of the experience. And as we read in the scripture, it says here that um, we were being, and being is the operative word, dead in our transgressions. That's what the word says. We were like walking dead men and women, like a zombie. And if I look at the dictionary, Cambridge Dictionary definition, it says, 
It's someone who moves around as if unconscious and being controlled by someone else. And I think we know who that someone else is. It's Satan, the devil. Ephesians 5 verse 8 says, Once you were in darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. So are we living as children of the light? And he goes on to say, because there are many of us who actually aren't living as children of the light. He says, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live. That's a challenge, isn't it? Let's be careful how we live. The question we ask ourselves is, what do we mean by walking dead? It was that we were dead, that spiritually dead, spiritually, figuratively speaking. We were still doing things that perhaps we shouldn't do or going to places we shouldn't go. Or perhaps our attitudes were not right with different folk that we meet. We weren't doing what God would have us do. And Romans 6 says, Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who've died to sin. Christ has paid that price for us. We've been set free, but some of us are not living in the freedom that we've been set free in. When I spoke here last time, I was speaking about this is Satan's domain. And some of us are still living in the flesh. We're not living in the spirit. When we live in the spirit, we seek to follow God's instructions. We seek to live by his, his ways. And I thought that Stephen this morning when he spoke, he made that so clear. You know, God has a call on our life. But are we actually listening to what he's saying? And are we following his instructions? Anyone who has died, figuratively speaking, has been set free from sin. That's what Romans 6 says. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. Sin shall no longer be your master, because you're not under the law but under grace. And Romans 7 also says this, it says, for when we were in the realm of the flesh, this is Satan's domain, this world, and sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death, but now by dying to what bound us, we have been released from the law that we may serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. That's the word of God. So we've been released from living in the flesh and we can now live life in the flesh, in the Spirit, sorry. Paul was emphasizing that fact. And he was saying that no longer living in the flesh but in the Spirit, but sadly many Christians are still walking as dead men and women. 
And it's time to recognize that under grace, our position through faith has changed. It's God's work in our lives. It's interesting to observe that Jesus, while he was here on earth, he encountered some differing circumstances of death. Uh, each of the persons in these particular instances were very dead. But all at different stages, and although I'm not going to be dogmatic about this, it could possibly representative, be representative of some of us here in this place. That we've not fully shaken off the old way of life, even although we've been saved by grace. Jesus is saying, perhaps to those who've just recently come to faith in Christ, perhaps you're a bit like Jairus' daughter. Jairus had come to Jesus, pleading for him to come and to save his daughter, to heal her. And while they were still speaking, somebody came and said, well, I'm sorry, your daughter is dead. And don't bother Jesus anymore. But Jesus said, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. And so he went to the house and he said to the people, stop wailing. Jesus said, she is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. And Jesus put them out of the room, except for the mother and father. And he said, my child, get up. And that, I believe, perhaps is what Jesus may be saying to some of you recently come to faith, struggling with actually being able to live in the Spirit. My child, this evening I want you to get up and to have faith in me because of the grace that I have shown you through, your, through my Son, Jesus Christ. Or could it be that you've been saved for a little bit longer and uh, there's another story. As Jesus was traveling about, he went through a place called Nain, and there was a large crowd, and a dead person was being carried out of that place. The only son of his mother, she was a widow. And the large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out. He said, don't cry. And he went up, and he touched the coffin that they were carrying him on. And the bearers stood still. And he said to them, Young man, I say to you, get up. And he began to sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. In this case, the boy had been dead for some short while. The body was cold. And maybe you came to faith in Jesus some while ago. And tonight Jesus is saying, man, woman, young and old, I say to you, get up, start living in the faith that you have believed. Or perhaps it may be that there are some of us who've been on the Christian road for a long time, and maybe it's like Lazarus. Lazarus, he died. 
they uh, had asked him to come and uh, they told Jesus that the one he loved was sick and then they had to tell him that he was dead. And when Jesus had got there, he had already been dead four days. And he said, but take away the stone. And Martha said, but there will be a bad odour, for he's been there four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And he went and he said, Lazarus, come out. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. In this instance, the dead body had been in the tomb and it had been started to deteriorate. And maybe your faith has been in Jesus for some considerable time. But you've not been living in the reality of this amazing grace that God and Jesus is saying tonight in a loud voice to you. Come out. Take off those grave clothes. Start living in faith and acknowledge the grace by which you have been saved. I was reading a book called Grace Walk by Steve McVeigh. I don't know if you know that book. He was a pastor of a church in Alabama. He had a large congregation, had seen many people come to faith in Jesus, and uh, he'd held various positions in the church, ministered into people's lives, married, dedicated, taken funerals, etc., etc. And he'd been invited to go to other churches because they'd seen the blessing of God in the church where he was at. And there were some ailing and failing churches, and he said, no, I don't believe Lord would have me go there or there. And then one day he thought in his heart, yes, Lord, I believe that you want me to go and join this church. And so he went, he did his preach with a view, and they accepted him, and he gave his first sermon. He said, in a year's time, we're going to look at this church, and we're going to see how much it has grown. Because he'd taken all his sermons, he'd taken all his uh, course notes, he took everything with him. And at the end of the year, he was in his vestry, and he was on his knees, and he was crying out to God. What's happened? The church was even smaller than what it had been. You see, there's a, a problem that sometimes we think that we can do something for God. Well, it may be news to you, but, or may not be news to you, I don't know, but you know you can do nothing for God but Lord yeah I I lead worship I, I lead the children's work the youth's work I, I'm the one who ministers I, I do all sorts of things huh? don't you think it'd be rather presumptuous if you think you can do something for God you can do nothing for him but it's what he can do through you. But are you willing, in faith, to say, Lord, use me? And even as Moses, as we learned this morning, he tried to wriggle out of it 
of doing what God had said to him. But Lord, you know, I can't speak very well. Lord, you know, and he gave all sorts of reasons why he couldn't do what God wanted him to do. We need to hear the voice of God every moment of every day. We need to keep listening to what he is saying by his Holy Spirit. God loves us so much, he wouldn't allow us to enter into anything that is going to harm us. But he will use things to help us not only get stronger in our own faith, but also to be a blessing to others. What is the Lord saying to you tonight? Where is your faith? Do you just make choices of your own? Say, well, I think it would be very pleasant if we could do this or go there or buy this. Or, or do you say, Lord, is this your will? Would you want me to go and perhaps buy this or perhaps go there? Do you ask God to seal with his approval everything that you seek to do in your lives? I try, I fail, but God forgive me, and I keep seeking his face. And I would encourage you to try not to do things in your own strength, but to look at what Jesus has done for us and to be able to exercise faith because of the grace that he's shown. The Lord bless you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again just for these times, this time which we spent together. Lord, you know each of our positions before you. We want to say sorry where we've let you down, where we've tried to do things in our own strength. Lord, help us, we pray. In our weakness, be our strength. And Lord, we've been singing and we've been praising in relation to saying that we love you and we're going to follow you and our faith is going to be that which guides us. But help us also to be honest, to keep short accounts and that everything that we do, everywhere we go and all that we say will be garrisoned by you for your glory and praise in Jesus' name. Why don't you stand with us?